Grace, mercy, and the peace of our God be with you as we begin a new year, as we think about the newness that we have in our Savior. For this season that we're going to enter actually officially in the middle of this week, in just a few days, it's going to be January 6th, Epiphany, which is when we remember the Magi coming. We'll actually do that next week in our time of worship, uh, but we're going to pull this week into a whole uh, series connected through the Epiphany season, and we're going to talk about this question, uh, what child is this? Borrowing the name of the, of the hymn, what child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Who is Jesus? Who is he? And we're going to follow narratives that describe um, in his earliest life some of the interactions and what did people know about him? What can we learn about him, his identity and his purpose through what people say about him, how they respond to him, and some of the earliest uh, recorded events in the Gospels that we have, beginning with, well, the earliest, following his birth. Luke 2, in the first 20 verses, is the, the traditional, here's how the, the birth of Jesus happened, and with the, the angels coming to the shepherds, and the shepherds making their way to Bethlehem, where they found Jesus and, you know, the birth of Jesus, which we talked about Christmas Eve. And we remembered last week and reviewed that whole story. Then we get to um, verse 21, where Jesus is named, and then following that, the dedication. What can we learn about him? Well, his name is Jesus. That is verse 21. At the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So this scene in Luke chapter 2 is, is the dedication and, and circumcision of Jesus and his naming. And then it goes on from there, um, following the, the time of purification is what we get into beginning in verse 22. The, the time of purification, uh, Leviticus chapter 12 describes how when a child is born, there's a period of time, uh, a week, uh, and in the... the the mindset of that time, a week would actually be eight days. Not that the week was eight days, but the way that they counted time. So where we see eight days, there is a week. And um, so it's a week after the birth that he's named and circumcised. Okay? That's verse 21. And then Leviticus chapter 12 goes on and talks about then for 33 days, um, if it's a boy and longer if it's a girl. And there's reasons for that that uh, we're not going to get into this morning. Um, and it's not a male-female thing. It, anyway, uh, but Leviticus 12 talks about this time of purification. So at the end of 33 more days, so it's 40 days from birth until the temple dedication and sacrifice is made. And that's what we get into um, moving on into verse 22 and beyond. But before we do that, let's talk about the name Jesus. What's in a name? In the gospel reading for today, the, the name of Anna's father was Phanuel, right? And that means face of God. The L at the end of his name means Elohim, uh, connects it to God, and the Fanu part of his name is face of. So names have meaning, and, and we know that. There's 
meaning behind a lot of names. And, and if they come particularly from uh, a, another language, perhaps, in, in the way we use the names, we might not recognize the meaning behind that name. Drew's middle name is Nathaniel, which means gift of God. And, and we chose that name on purpose. I read this week that San Diego is the equivalent of St. James, which seems really odd because how is that possible? They sound nothing alike, Diego and James. I mean, the San and the Saint, we recognize that. Uh, but Diego and James, and it actually has to do with the, the background behind the name James. And it's Yakuboi in, um, in Hebrew or Greek. And in Greek, uh, if you look up in, have a Greek Bible, and if you look up the book of James, it's Jacobu. And so Jacobu to Iego, that's close. So it's the way the etymology works and, and how that um, name went from its original, uh, where it originated, to the words that we have today in different languages. So Santiago, if you're connected. Your name means St. James. I don't know if you knew that or not. What's in a name? Sometimes there are strange names that are given to children. Back in the summertime, I remember seeing a story, maybe you saw this too, that Elon Musk and his um, girlfriend had a child. Her name is Grimes, which is an interesting name, but she's an artist. Um, and uh, their baby was born, and the name was... Um, X, and this A-E character, which we don't typically use in English, A-12, which is a really odd name. The state of California didn't approve that name, so I don't know what they did um, for that. But the, there was some meaning behind it, and um, X meaning unknown, and the A-E, which is actually called a ligature, character is pronounced ash. Um, and the A-12, I guess, is a plane model, uh, an airplane that um, was manufactured. It was a really fast plane that didn't have weapons. And so Elon Musk's favorite plane incorporated it into the name of his child. Okay. Rather odd name. If you watch The Mandalorian, you know that this character that was initially recognized by everyone as Baby Yoda, then became the child. And for a long time, that was the identity of this character in the show, and we've just learned recently that he has a name. But I'm not going to tell anyone, just in case it's a spoiler. My kids don't want me to spoil that for you if you're going to subscribe to Disney Plus and watch The Mandalorian. They just burst out from the room over there. Made sure I didn't tell you. We watched this past week, on, also on Disney+, Plus, a movie, The One and Only Ivan. It was a book that Drew had read for his school, and, and a film just came out. And so we watched the film, and, and it's uh, animals, mostly, um, that have been animated. And um, it's a cute movie, uh, mostly about a, a silverback gorilla named Ivan. And he's the star of this show that's taking place at a mall. And there's a stray dog that wanders in and out around the cages. And um, a, a little girl who interacts with these animals and talks to them um, 
she names the dog Bob, and then when she's not there so the, dog, the animals can talk to one another, Bob, the dog, says to Ivan, why do they feel like they have to name everything? Studies have shown that children live up to their names. The earliest that I could find um, evidence of was done in 1948, a study by Harvard University that looked at people with unique or different names and how, you know, what, what they could predict about their success in school based on their name alone. And there were some interesting conclusions they could make. A 2017 article uh, followed that up and said that non-traditional names could be linked to unemployment, social, and economic outcomes, which is interesting. Names have meaning. And often our initial impressions of a person come from their name, just when you hear it. Imagine meeting a child who's named Adolf or Saddam. I mean, what would we, what would we automatically think just hearing those names? And people have actually named their children over the course of the last 10 months Corona and COVID. And I'm just, maybe Corona, you know, but that's still uh, enough connotations with that name that it's kind of interesting that people are choosing that, but they are. So Jesus' name has meaning, and Jesus means he saves. Maybe that's something you've already heard, but hear it again. Jesus means he saves from Yeshua, which is a Hebrew word. Closer would be Joshua um, than Jesus. But as the Hebrew was pulled into the Greek language, which is the language that the, the people around Palestine in the first century were using, mostly because of, of the Hellenistic influence in that whole region, thanks to Alexander the Great. I mean, it's all historical things that, that happened. So the New Testament was written in Greek, and most of the people probably communicated in Greek. Um, around that time, it was the, the international language of the day. So the Greek name for Yeshua was Jesus, and that's brought into English as Jesus. Isaiah chapter 62 that we heard read this morning says this at verse 2, you will be called by a new name, the mouth of the Lord will bestow. And that's true about the name of Jesus. That the name Yeshua was given by the angel to both Mary and Joseph before he was born. And in fact, in verse 21 of Luke 2, it says that before he was conceived in the womb, and we can see this in... Um, Luke chapter 1 at verse 30, the angel said to Mary, you will bear a son and shall call his name Jesus, or Yeshua, is how the angel would have said it to Mary. And Matthew 1, 21, the angel who comes to Joseph in the dream says this, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Yeshua, Jesus. Why? Because it has meaning. It means he saves. That's literally what Yeshua means. And we can see that carried out in Joshua of the Old Testament. Joshua who fought the battle of Jericho. Maybe you know the song. Maybe you're humming it in your head now. The walls came tumbling down, that whole thing. 
that, that Joshua led God's people in battle and the people of God were saved, not on their power, but the power of God. So it was God who did the saving, not Joshua. And so we see that in that narrative played out in the person of Joshua and, and for God's people at that time. And we see that in the name Yeshua given to the one we call Jesus. But he's more than a name. There's more to Yeshua, more to Jesus than just this name that means that he, God, saves. See. And so as we move into further into chapter 2 of Luke, we see that Simeon saw salvation. Verse 32 talks about the light and his eyes. My eyes have seen your salvation. The, the light, the light in the Gentiles. This is Simeon's song in Latin called the Nunc Dimittis, which is now depart. And that was in, is traditionally used at the conclusion of worship services in a in a in a traditional worship uh, environment. When I was growing up, and we were using the the old the Lutheran hymnal, uh, which was published in 1941. When I was a kid, that's the hymnal that we had, and that's what we used. And I think almost every week, we sang or chanted through, or someone spoke these words from Simeon. Now let your servant depart in peace. The eyes and light are motifs in Luke about revelation. And Simeon, the, the text describes him as one who was waiting for the consolation of Israel. That it was revealed by the Holy Spirit that he wouldn't see death until he had seen the Lord's Christ. You see that, that seeing already built into the person of Simeon. Simeon saw. He knew that he would not see death until he had seen the Lord's Christ by the power of the Spirit that had been revealed to him. And so in comes Mary and Joseph bringing Jesus for this dedication, for the sacrifice, and the Spirit somehow communicates to Simeon, there he is. That's the one you've been waiting for. That's the that's the salvation. That's the reconciliation. That is Yeshua for God's people. And somehow the Spirit tells him. And he comes up and, and speaks those words. My eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. That's verses 30 to 32 in Luke 2. Verse 30, my eyes have seen your salvation. I wonder, what language was Simeon speaking? If Simeon were speaking Aramaic or Hebrew, when he said, my eyes have seen your salvation, it would have been really similar to my eyes have seen your Yeshua. Your salvation, your, we would translate it or hear it, Jesus. His name means salvation, and that's built into the language. So I wonder, as Mary and Joseph heard it, how does he already know the name of our child? They may have wondered. Luke is the only of the synoptic gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, and Luke, 
John is separate from the, these three, which are a synopsis of Jesus' life and kind of follow from earliest days through just following the timeline, which is why they called um, synoptic. He's the only one to use the, the Greek word soter, which is savior or salvation, um, for Jesus. It doesn't show up in Matthew and Mark. The word uh, for saves, like he saves or save us does, but salvation or savior doesn't come up in those two gospels, but Luke uses it. And here it is. My eyes have seen your salvation. There's the word, the noun, soter, which is also interesting. And he gives a blessing in verses 34 and 35, speaking to his parents, particularly to Mary. Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And to Mary, and the version I'm using uses, like, says this parenthetically, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. He's projecting that there is falling and rising because of this child. And what does Simeon exactly know about Jesus? And what is the Spirit telling him this is what's going to happen? He can't know the full extent of the narrative and how Jesus would suffer and die, but the sword that would pierce Mary's soul had to have been the death of her son. Those are words that Simeon spoke because he saw salvation, because he recognized in the child Jesus that, the, that God was at work, that God was there even bringing salvation through the one who was born. And then there's Anna, daughter of Phanuel, face of God. Anna recognized redemption. Coming up at that very hour, this is in verse 38, she began to give thanks to God and speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. She sees Jesus and, and, you know, was Simeon right there and speaking of salvation already? And, and we don't know exactly how all this worked and the timing and what people heard, but she saw and recognized redemption in this child. The Redeemer of Jerusalem, the Redeemer of Israel, the one who was buying back the people of God. I'm not sure how Mary and Joseph would respond to all this. Right? I mean, can you imagine you have a, a, a month old, month and a half, right? Your child is still pretty, you're pretty new at this, right? This is, this is, this is new territory for you, and you bring your child to fulfill the law and make the sacrifice and you know, do the things you need to do, and then all of a sudden people are coming up and telling you who your child is going to be and these things that are going to happen and giving thanks to God for this redemption that you can't completely understand. And how do they know? I'm sure at this point with angels showing up in dreams or in right in front of you, 
that Mary and Joseph are maybe starting to get used to it, right? I mean, the shepherds had shown up on his birthday. Like, how many moms want a whole bunch of shepherds just showing up and busting into the room? Probably none. But this is how it is with Jesus. People know things. People say things about him. And Jesus fulfilled the promise of his name. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That's what Matthew 1 said. He did what he was born to do. Through his perfect life, through his sacrificial death, and through his victorious resurrection, so that Peter could say after Jesus' resurrection in Acts chapter 4, that salvation, salvation, Yeshua, is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. There is no other name other than Jesus, meaning he saves, through which we are saved. His name has meaning, and he did what he was born to do. Jesus saves. It's not just some you know, graffiti somewhere on the side of a, a, a wall that you might see when you're you know, taking Bart up toward Oakland. There's all that graffiti, and maybe somewhere it says Jesus saves. It's more than that. That has deep meaning. For all who believe in him, there is salvation, there's forgiveness, there's peace with God, there's life for eternity, there's hope, there's joy, there's reconciliation. There's the the things that were promised that we heard in Isaiah 61. The robe of righteousness, the garment of salvation, that we are clothed by the grace of God through this one who was born for us. Here's our application. Identify Jesus. In your mind, in your heart, in your soul, identify who Jesus is. Recognize your Redeemer. Like Simeon did. See Jesus. As he's been revealed to us, understand who Jesus is. But, but not just what the Bible says about him, but in your own life and in your own heart. Identify who Jesus is. Recognize your Redeemer. Hear these words from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. That's true for you and for me. That our sins are forgiven, covered, cleansed through the riches of his grace. So we can live in this freedom that forgiveness offers because we see our salvation. We recognize our Redeemer. By His grace, we are saved, and so we can speak about our Savior like Anna did. Anna, the one who comes up and gives thanks and speaks to all who would listen, who all who are waiting. Who's waiting? 
Who in your life is waiting for redemption? There's a lot of waiting happening right now. In this world, in our lives, we, we're waiting, right? We're waiting for something to change. We're waiting for the effectiveness of a vaccine that's going to push down the, the, the curve that we've seen lately. We're waiting for life to get back to what we remember it being, where we can see each other, where this room can be full, where we can hang out with people in their homes without this sense of fear and foreboding. We're waiting. Are we waiting for salvation? Are we waiting for our Savior? To any who are waiting, we can announce that good news. We can share the identity of Jesus that we recognize, that we know we can share that. This is big news. This is the news that's worth sharing. We can speak about the one who saves, the one who has redeemed, and we can live in the power of his name. We live in the power of his name. We gather in the power of his name. Wherever two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst of them, gathered in my name, Jesus says. Even virtually, that's true. Even as we gather virtually, Jesus is in our midst by the power of his name. The name that we call upon. That's why we begin our service with the invocation, calling on the name of God to be present among us. We can pray through the name of Jesus because God hears Prayers spoken in Jesus' name. There's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. We can approach the throne of God's grace with confidence through the name of Jesus. And so we end our confession in the name of Jesus. And we bring our prayers before our Lord in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we pray in the name of Jesus. And we can do good works in Jesus' name. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17 says this, Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. It's a new year, so maybe, maybe you have a New Year's resolution or some goals for 2021. Maybe there are things that you hope to do, want to do, plan to do. Let's incorporate these things into our goals and ideas for the year that we would recognize Jesus and identify him, that we would speak of him to people who are waiting, and that we would live in him doing good things in the name of Jesus, our Savior. In the name of Jesus, amen.